for the longest time, I didn't want to own my life. And it was always someone else's fault for my current situation. So when ownership coach Danielle Gertner reached out to sit down with me, I jumped at the opportunity to share with you the tangible ways you can start owning your life today. This is episode 205 with Danielle Gertner. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today I'm joined by Danielle, an ownership coach who is unafraid to be unapologetically herself. Danielle is known for her candor and magnetic personality here in the Austin community and well beyond it, something you'll quickly learn why in today's conversation. We dive deep, talking about grief, owning all parts of what makes you who you are, and developing a toolkit that truly allows you to grow beyond the boxes that you might find yourself in life. So let's dive into it. Cool. We're recording all around. Danielle, welcome. Thanks. It's so funny. I feel like I see you. I literally see you all the time. So the fact that we're having like a formal, like sit down, recorded conversation, it's long overdue. I don't feel like it's formal. I'm in my socks on your couch. I know. <laughs> I try to do a good job of making it chill. First and foremost, before we even dive into anything, I, I love to ask the people that are coming on here, like, how the heck are you? You're coming off of crazy event. Well, you're still in the midst of crazy events. Retreat here in Austin. You're going to Chicago this weekend. Like, how are you holding up? How are you feeling? Today, and I'm going to answer today because, I mean, actually, I'll answer in this moment. I feel really fucking good. I can say fuck, right? Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All you right. just did it twice, so. <laughs> so you know how this podcast is going to go. Um, I feel really, really good in this moment. And, uh, you know, that changes. It ebbs and flows. I am coming off of, I'm kind of on the down slope of the mountain. Mm. I feel like the retreat was the peak of the mountain. That was six events leading up to the retreat. Uh, I've got a handful of travel on the way down until after, uh, really, actually, December. High Rocks goes all the way till the end of the year. Um, but I feel great. I feel lucky to be doing what I do and be sitting here with you like this is shit we get to do every day and that's pretty awesome oh it's I like pinch myself I mean I told you it, we uh, you're, pinch, you're pinching pinch me you. uh, I, like <laughs> pounded. there you go um no I think it's wild and we talked right before this I was like yeah I just had an hour-long conversation with my dad right before it I never thought I'd be able to take that time in the middle of the day on a Tuesday but it's great definitely grateful for it this wasn't always the, the career path for you, though, right? No. Talking back to your UF days, undergrad, doing all the things. At what point did you have this realization of, like, you want to do things a little bit differently? Yeah, uh, I was the poster UF child. The poster child, literally. Like, my face was on the homepage of the fucking UF website. Go Gators. I love the Gators. Um, but Corey and I were just talking about this. I was a conveyor belt baby, right? From the mm. time I was, shit, as far as I can remember, three years old, I started cheerleading, uh, going for student government president when I was in first grade. Like, what? Mm. Uh, and that really was such a defining 
theme in my life was go after the leadership role, be the leader in the room. And I'm so grateful for the, what my mom instilled in me was definitely largely my mom. My dad, you know, supported, but could probably Mm. couldn't give two shits what I did. But, um, that was instilled in me forever and carried me all the way through high school it's super involved, cheerleading captain, student government president, president, go to UF, super involved uh, at the University of Florida and was on this path of getting my full-time job, locking it up, you know, mm-hmm. working for Amazon, making 80K a year, having the health insurance. Like this was the dream for my parents. Like, yes, she's doing it. This is going to be incredible. And man, I was just miserable. Like there was just something inside me. I, was, I remember I was a senior. I just got in my full-time job offer from Amazon. I had a a job offer from Amazon and from the YMCA, two very different Mm. ends of the spectrum because my minor was in nonprofit leadership. And, you know, everybody around me is like, this is so dope. You did it. Like everything we taught you as a business student, you've accomplished. You have the full-time job offer. And I remember talking to my mentor at the time and just being like, I am so not excited by this. Why am I not excited? I am terrified mm. by the fact that I'm not excited. And I had started a boot camp when I was a junior at UF. And that was the coolest thing in the world to me was teaching boot camps. And in this moment, she's like, well, why don't you honor this fact that mm. you're not excited? What does make you excited? I'm like teaching boot camps. And she's like, okay, well, what would your life look like if you taught boot camps? And it was in that moment that it was like, shit, I have another choice. I didn't know that, but I do. I don't know if that answered your question, but no, a hundred percent. I mean, that's definitely where it starts. I'm, I'm curious to know, like, what were you doing with a mentor? Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a normal college thing to pursue and to, to surround yourself. So I think that speaks volumes just of you. And maybe it's the achiever aspect of you. Um, or like a accidental byproduct of that in you that you just happen to have a mentor. And then by just happenstance they also happen to be like oh maybe you should question the like normal trajectory that you were on so to speak yeah I owe her everything (laughs) you know it's so funny because the mentorship happened by accident it just kind of fell into place it was Mm -hmm. an organization actually that I was a part of so yes it was the achiever (laughs) in me And it was actually a really cool organization where you partnered with a faculty member in the business school and we co-taught a class together. It was called Warrington Welcome. Mm. It's the Warrington College of Business. And so I taught five freshman classes throughout my time at UF. I actually had to teach a class alongside this faculty member. And her and I ended up getting extremely close. Every time I'm back in Gainesville, I see her. Um, And yeah, I wasn't looking for a mentor, but she Mm -hmm. just very naturally with somebody that I always went to for advice when I was making hard decisions. And it's so funny now because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. I'm, I want a mentor. I don't feel like I have a mentor in my life right now. Mm -hmm. And it's so fucking hard to find right now. So it's, it's just funny. The, the difference in, you know, maybe seasons and maybe I need to be my own mentor right now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think what's, I'm really curious there. You said as a byproduct of the achiever in you, how did you, Like, did ego ever play a a role there where you were like, I don't know if this is the right mentor for me? Or like, how did you get over that element of being open to mentoring, to coaching and all of that? Because I think I see that a lot and a lot of people, myself included, I could be very closed off sometimes to like taking advice from 
people around me in my life that come up. Yeah. Did that ever happen for you as well? No. And and the reason why is because I loved this woman's character. Mm. It had nothing to do with what she was doing. She's now the associate dean. She's probably even higher than that in the business school. Erica, if you're ever listening to this, I love you. She knows that. She's incredible. Um, and it was never about, you know, I think oftentimes when we think about a mentor or even like a business coach, we look for somebody who is doing what we want to do in life, mm. which is not a bad, place bad to look. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad place to look. But what I realized, and, and it started with her, is it's not always about the person doing what you want to do, but the person being and embodying who you want to be and embody. Mm. And she has always embodied, you know, sass and class and wit and passion and purpose I mean she has her tongue pierced and she's the associate dean of the business school and she just to me it was just somebody that I loved being around I felt so safe around and that was the type of person I wanted to be regardless of what I was doing whether I was Mm. teaching boot camps or working at Amazon I wanted to be somebody who embodied safety and integrity and passion and purpose and that's what I found in her and so there was no ego because there was no question of is she being inauthentic Mm-hmm. You know, because again, it, it wasn't trying to aspire to be an associate dean. I was trying to aspire to be the best human I could be, and that was somebody who showed up every day as the best version of herself. I love that answer. Thank that's, you. That's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. And I think that's a a really key thing to remind ourselves and me included. Like as I'm going through this journey and seeking p- mentorship from different people. Like, it's more about that than it is the accolades that they've accomplished. Yeah. It definitely helps and should play a factor somewhat in the decision, but it's more in the character and how they act in alignment with that. Yeah. I love that piece. Did it click for you, like, right away? Like, did you know right off the bat when you started leaning into the boot camps and the fitness space more so after turning down the Amazon offer? Did it click, or was there a growth curve there and like what was that like because I think oftentimes we are encouraged to maybe go after a passion and then we start to and we're met with some resistance initially and it kind of becomes one of those like all right now it's getting real were you sure that this is the right path uh as sure as I could be as a 21 year old (laughs) graduating from the University of Florida like holy shit holy shit holy shit what am I doing um you know I, it was just the first time in my life that I was so, I was so lost in the sauce of leading those boot camps. Mm. Mondays, it was Monday nights. Gator Grind was the name of the boot camp. It started with a bunch of friends that I drove, you know, dragged out, and it just grew and grew and grew. I remember one of the first boot camps of one of the semesters was like ninety-seven people. Mm. It was so incredible, and I was so excited driving every Monday to this boot camp, thinking all day Monday, like, okay, how are we going to fuck them up today? What workout are we going to do? How are we going to spice it up? And I'd never had that much, much passion for something before the, you know, the passion. And, and it's not to say that I wasn't passionate about my involvement in school and cheerleading and track mm-hmm. and all the things that I did in my lifetime. But it was, a, it was like somebody told me this is what I should be passionate about. Mm-hmm. And that was my mom. You know, yes, you should be passionate about being the leader of an organization. You should be passionate about being in sports. And so that passion was developed, but it it didn't come from me internally initially. Mm. It was influenced. And I think there's a big difference there. This teaching of the boot camp was my sole creation, something that I just, I loved working out. Uh, I didn't play sports in college, so I found the gym. And that became my sport. 
and watching myself grow, thrive, change, get challenged, inspired me to teach other people to do the same. And so, you know, long story short, I knew everything in me. You know, I remember I actually had a, a you know, a piece of paper and because I had these two job offers and the Amazon was on one side and YMCA was on the other side and I had this pros and cons list and Amazon paid way more money <laughs> than the YMCA was going to. And, but no matter how many times I looked at the list, neither of those options was as exciting as, damn, well, what if I built a business out of teaching boot camps, mm. which, you know, my business looks way different right now. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I spit on you. I don't think it it's landed okay. all the way, but <laughs> um, I, nothing excited me. And so I had to trust that it was the most pivotal moment in my life of learning to trust myself, even though I was going against everything I was taught as a business student. Mm. When you go to the, some, I mean, I only went to the University of Florida, so I can only speak from that experience, but very prestigious business school, very high success rate in terms of getting their students locked into full-time jobs. I was an anomaly. Me not accepting a freaking job mm. offer from Amazon, if you were, could only sit in on some of the conversations that some of my other mentors and, you know, teachers at the time said to me, like, are you fucking crazy? You're going to turn down a full-time job offer to do what? Mm. to teach boot camps like I love you and I love your passion but this is stupid and I had a lot of that and my parents were very supportive but so hesitant mm. so hesitant like Danielle safety financial safety stability what do you what where are you gonna get health insurance from what happens if boot camp doesn't make a lot of money all these yeah. very easy passes for me to doubt myself and be like nah you're right I shouldn't do this and yeah super super huge moment of self-trust what kept you like going down that route instead of like pumping the brakes because I mean the, there's a lot of external voices there that are saying you should do another thing and there there is some validity to it right for sure totally like, yeah the there's I know there's days <laughs> I have I'm sure you have them where I'm like yeah it'd be really nice if like that check was coming every well, I was Friday. Gonna say, I definitely right? pumped the brakes. Like, yeah. This was not like full pedal. You were like, metal. forget everyone else. I'm doing boot camps. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the decision was made. The decision was made. Mm. Um, and I think that was a big moment for me is like, yeah, the decision's made. And I think it was definitely, I would say like 65% passion, 35% being cocky as fuck. <laughs> like nobody could tell me that I couldn't do this. And the mm. more people told me you couldn't do this, the more I was like, fuck you, watch me. Interesting. It, it, well, it was totally yeah. cockiness. And, and you know, this is a big part of my story too. A lot of what I was doing at the time was ego-based. It was based off mm. of external validation from the world around me. Uh, I wanted to be seen as the best. I wanted to be known as the best. I wanted to have the nicest body and the fattest ass, which is what really drove me in the gym initially. Mm -hmm. um, and when I had all of these things, you know, I, I started my business the month I graduated. I, I filed for my LLC. Now, did I make enough income just for my business for the first eight months? No, I worked at a restaurant when I graduated, mm -hmm. which was really challenging, right? Here are my friends going off to Google and Deloitte and, you know, PwC and, yeah. and all the things and I'm serving tables to support the business that I'm trying to start and that was humbling in itself um and I you know at, the, at this point a little bit after I graduated I mean I had the business I it was starting to pick up steam I was in a really incredible relationship with a really great guy everything from the outside looking in was like check 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 like look at me I'm the fucking poster child but internally I was so disconnected from who I was mm. and 
it took a lot of work in that moment to pivot and recognize like, you know, cockiness and not cockiness, but confidence in myself is super important, but confidence with the intention of what, Mm. what am I expecting from the world? Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my question was like, where did this confidence cockiness come from? Because you, to some extent you've done some of it, but you hadn't, you didn't have a, an end result yet. Like you didn't have an outcome and accolades. You got feedback from, I'm sure the people that were going to your Mm -hmm. boot camp for a year plus, but that's very different. The moment you try to turn it into like a full-time business, as you know, (laughs) yeah, I'm still figuring that out eight years later. (laughs) Um, you know, that's such an interesting question. And I don't know if I've thought that like fully, fully through. And now that I'm thinking about it, what's coming to me is I love my parents. I don't agree with their lifestyle. I never have. And it took me a long time to be able to articulate that and recognize that a lot of what I do and was doing was in spite of the life I watched them live, which was settling. My mom was a triathlete. She was the first woman from North Miami Beach to qualify for the Ironman in Hawaii. Like, this is a bad bitch, okay? Black to black belt, you know, in karate, just incredible woman who just settled settled in her career, settled in her life. And we've had conversations about that. So I feel very comfortable talking about this Mm -hmm. now because she is really shifting that now. And, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with uh, my brother's passing, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, I didn't want to settle. I didn't want to live a mediocre life that at my parents' age are now looking back on like, holy shit, where did the time go? And why didn't I make different choices? And I didn't realize how much that was preparing me for what was coming in my life, which was the biggest shock and rock to my world, which was losing my brother. Mm. Um, So I think that was the why. That's where the confidence came from is like, I got one shot at this, right? Eminem, you know, seize it. You're going to seize the moment. You're going to let it slip. Absolutely. I mean, you kind of natural segue for us there. Definitely a, a sensitive topic that. I wanted to to touch on there and I know that you're you're comfortable going there so I appreciate it but with your brother passing and what I'm really honestly curious is how you handle grief as a solo like entrepreneur you have a team now around you as well did you at the time or no was it just you um I had Jackie at the time uh when he passed away which was last year April 28th of 2021 okay um it's crazy I like say that date knowing that it was only last year and Mm. like every time it rolls off my tongue I'm like how was that only a year and a half ago because I feel like I've lived 10 lifetimes since then you have Um, yeah oh 100 percent and I'm curious to know like how did you navigate the giving yourself grace and compassion and honoring the grieving stages without like days you know pto like pt pto doesn't exist in our world does not exist right so at what like how did i'm just curious like how did you navigate that because i can only i can't even imagine i can't sit here and say i've thought about that because i i truly haven't but i'm i'm curious to know from your perspective you know my brother and i've had a lot of conversations since he passed away Mm. and i say that and people are like wait what we have had a lot of conversations since he passed away Um, and a lot of it had to do with talking to him of what the fuck do I do? Um, and understanding this took me a while to understand. I thought that grief was like a a linear 
mm-hmm. growth, right? Like every day I was going to grieve a little bit less. I was going to feel like me a little bit more. And that could not be further from the, the truth of what the grief experience is like. Mm-hmm. There are some days, like that's why when you at first asked me the question, how are you today? In this moment, I feel great. Yep. You know, maybe hit me up at like 6 p.m. and I could be, I, I don't know when the grief is coming. And I really had to learn to make that part of my dance and to be more flexible with myself. And in doing so, I naturally gave my clients more flexibility to be themselves mm-hmm. and more permission to be themselves. And, you know, it's there's no rule book. There's no guidebook. It is like a being in a tornado all the time. And I don't ne- mean a tornado in a bad sense, but you never know when the grief is going to be hit, is going to hit. Like literally last night I was brushing my teeth and I started hysterically crying for no reason. It just, I mean, it it was just so unexpected. And so I think it was also remembering my brother was in a really powerful, pivotal place in his life when he passed away. And it's a damn shame that he passed away when he did, but I don't think it was a coincidence. Um, and I've had a lot of people challenge me the way I talk about his passing because I've, I've come to a lot of peace with it. Mm. Doesn't mean in any way that I don't miss the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, but he was in this place of owning his own shit. And uh, this will stick with me forever. It's framed in my house now. But in his uh, journals that we were going through when he passed away, he had a list of affirmations that were written over and over and over again. It was the same list of 19 affirmations. And number 14 on every one of those lists was, I own my shit. Mm. And the moment I read that, I was sitting in his apartment with my younger sister. We were going through his journals. I lost it. I never realized the impact I was having on him and how hard he was trying to own his shit. And it no longer became a choice of do I move forward. It is now my responsibility. Mm. I don't have a choice to show up every day and to do what I do. It is my life's mission. It is his legacy living through me. And not every day is perfect and happy-go-lucky, but I will live that purpose every day, even if it's through my tears. Quick one for you. As someone who's moved around seven times in the last five years, I know how hard it is to find new experiences and, more importantly, friends each place that life continues to take me. That's why we've created the Forever Athlete Social Club, a membership platform with curated experiences that help you grow closer to yourself and those around you. As a member of the Social Club, you'll receive a weekly experience to go and try in your community, as well as meetup events and opportunities to introduce you to like-minded individuals. Now, this isn't your cheesy alumni group filled with awkward conversation and overwhelming self-promotion from that one dude from high school that's just trying to help you get passive income in your life. No, the Social Club is a vetted, safe space for you to be your authentic self and grow with a like-minded community all over the world. Come join the free platform over at foreverathletesocialclub.com and start making teammates for life today. Mm. It's a beautiful duality that I think you hit on that like exists. I just recorded something earlier today where I was talking about how, you know, heart as in terms of heart rate variability and self care. And how devices like Whoop are in Aura Ring are fantastic, but they only give you like a one snapshot. And I was like, it's like if you set a GPS for a 24-hour road trip and then never checked back on the GPS, 
you know that like things are going to happen throughout your day that are going to derail your traffic's going to come up like there might be an accident whatever it may be and that just analogy came to mind as you were talking about navigating just grief throughout the day is it sounds like there is now even more so this hyper intentionality behind the way that you show up and this tapping in and tuning in moment to moment which i love that you the way you answered that first question is different than most people that come on the show most people are just like i'm good like today is a good day or whatever it may be but i love how you brought it to the specificity of just this moment where did you learn that or was that just like Mm. something that's always been there for you no that was learned um it was discovered within myself again this conditioning that we Mm. operate under is like we've got we've gotten asked that our whole lives how you doing i'm fine good i'm good and what you know usually a question i get is well when did you start owning your shit and we've been kind of talking about it (laughs) yeah little by little but it was it's kind of the brand it's kind of the brand um but right a little bit after college like i said i was you know in this relationship i was running the business things were flowing outside looking in like i had the body of my dreams i did hit my accomplished my goals. I was really thriving from an outsider's perspective. Mm. And, you know, again, that internal like inability to look at myself in the eye, inability to really, if I were to ask myself, like, what makes me happy? What are my fears, my limiting beliefs, my triggers? I didn't know any of that about myself. I didn't have the emotional capacity to. Mm. And I think it started there was I recognize how frequently I was lying to myself, not because I was intentionally lying to myself, but because I was people pleasing. Oh, nobody wants to hear my bullshit. Nobody wants to hear that. Like, yo, I'm grieving really hard right now. Yeah. And if I was, I, that's what I would tell you on the podcast. I've been on podcasts. I was like, dude, I bawled my eyes out on the way over here. Um, ask the riser boys when I was on their podcast, I cried the whole way. Mm. Just, it was just a moment. And I was lying to myself because I was ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed of my meanness. I was at the time very angry. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of anger I hadn't dealt with. I had a lot of jealousy I wasn't dealing with, which to me all comes back down to fear. Mm. It's the root of it. And so that specificity came from the decision that I was going to be honest with myself. If I wasn't honest with anybody else, fine. But I was damn Mm. sure going to be honest with myself. I was not going to lie to myself about who I was in the moment. And this was also the time where I started to realize like, man, I'm, I'm a female. I am feminine AF. And if you know anything about the masculine femininity and you know, we won't have to get into the conversation of like, there are feminine, more feminine dominant men. Yeah. But I am a very typically very masculine driven female. I I live in my masculine energy and around this time I was starting to tap more into my femininity And the more I learned about femininity, I realized we're like the motherfucking ocean. I could be happy as hell in one moment and like something takes me for a spin and like literally 10 minutes later, I'm like moody and in my shit and it passes and it flows. Mm. And I was ashamed of that part of myself and I learned to love it. I love how whatever you want to call it, moody, you know, wavy. I love that part of myself. So long answer to your question. No, I wasn't always like that. But it is such a gift to be able to be that in tune with my body and my breath Mm. and my dialogue because there's a constant dialogue to know how I actually am in this moment. There is so much freedom there. How does someone start that journey for themselves? Because 
I know a lot of people that listen to this episode coming from that athletic background, you're not encouraged to embrace that emotion, to no. embrace the it's feeling time, bro. sides Suck of things, up. right? Like the femininity. Mm-hmm. It's not, or it's looked upon as weakness. So how does someone start to shift to embracing and then eventually shifting to a space where it's actually empowering and that's a strength? Because I would argue it is, it's a superpower of females in particular is your ability to go through those motions and go through those waves of emotion Mm -hmm. at the same breath. But how does it first start? And then when does it shift to empowering and real true ownership over looking at oneself in the mirror and says, I am me, I'm all of me, and I'm going to embrace that? Yeah, that's a great question. I see why you're such a great podcast host. Great questions. You're fucking killing it. Thank you. Um, I will say, (laughs) just really quickly on your point of like, it is a superpower of somebody who is more feminine to experience all these emotions. I will add, it is a superpower when you can experience all those emotions, when you can honor all those emotions and when you can take agency Mm. over those emotions, because also wounded feminine gets lost in her shit and expects Mm. the world to handle those emotions for her. Um, And and that was me. I was in a, a, again, a relationship with an incredible guy that I, it was very wounded feminine energy. I was very emotional and I had no idea. It was like, you fix it, bro. You're my boyfriend. You're my partner. Fix it. And um, that wasn't so much a superpower. There's a lot of me giving my power away. But anyway. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) How much time you got? Um, So you ask where, where does the shift start and when does it become empowering? Mm -hmm. Um, so there was this moment um, that I remember very specifically when I was, you know, sometime in Gainesville and I w- was doing my regular morning routine, like brushing my teeth. And I had this poem on my mirror. I've had it on my mirror since high school. It's called The Man in the Glass. I've probably shared it with you. It's, 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 so you get this big smile on my I, face because I, I, I know it. You from know the you. poet. Yeah. I've heard you say it multiple yeah, times. I love, love this beautiful. poem. Do you want to share it? I do. Uh, yeah, because I have it memorized. So uh, it goes, and if you're listening to this, uh, I invite you to, if you can, close your eyes, listen to the words because it's really beautiful. Um, if, you get, if you get what you want and your struggle for self and the world makes you king or queen for a day, Go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that version of you has to say. For it isn't your mother or brother or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. The one whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. They're the fellow to please, never mind all the rest. For they are with you clear until the end. And you've passed your most difficult and dangerous task if the person in the glass is your friend. Mm. And it goes on longer, but I usually quote the first piece of it. Um, and so anyway, this poem has been on my mirror since high school. And you know, when you have things hung up in your house, you don't look at them every day. They Mm -hmm. just become part of your environment, your background. And again, this is another sign of being on autopilot. I was not present to my own life. Mm. I was living on autopilot and I remember brushing my teeth and I happened to look up and catch my gaze in the mirror and I looked away right away. I could not hold my own gaze in the mirror. I was disappointed. I was ashamed. I was resentful of who I'd become because I was really angry. And I'm like, what the fuck do I have to be so angry about? I have a great house and cats and a boyfriend and all these things. And it was in that moment, or in, and not that exact moment, but like in the couple weeks and months to follow that I first got really depressed and angry with myself and resentful. Mm. Then I started to get really angry and resentful of the world that had fed me what I thought was a lie of like, go down this path and like, you're going to get the fulfillment and success and happiness. And it didn't come. And then 
after a while, I was kind of sick of my own shit playing the victim mm. of like, poor me. Um, this isn't my fault. I was raised this way in introducing or like in comes the quote, it's not always your fault, but it's always your responsibility. That shit hit home. And I realized like, Danielle, you have a choice. You have a choice. You can play the victim and you can blame the world and you can continue living this way and being angry and people pleasing and living for external validation, or you can do some shit about it. You Mm. can own your shit. You can take your power back and take ownership over your life. And so that was the moment it started. It was like, okay, how do I do that? Well, I don't really know much about myself because I'm constantly with other people doing things for other people. Mm. If I dated myself, what would I do? Huh? Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, what do I think I would do? Cause that's always the question, right? I ask this to clients all the time. What would you do? And when they say, I don't know, and I'm totally borrowing this from one of my mentors in neurolinguistic programming. I love her, Aubrey. The first time I answered, I don't know to her, she said, when did you s- decide that you don't know? Mm. And I was like, fuck. Right? Giving myself the power back. They're like, they didn't let me hide. I can't hide. I'm just trying to hide. Yep. (laughs) And we so easily hide behind our language. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a whole other conversation is hiding behind our language and our ability to empower ourselves through the language that we use. And it was a choice. It was a choice. I am not going to play the victim anymore. I'm going to take ownership over my life. Even if I don't know how to get from A to B, I don't need to know that yet. I just need to commit to the choice that I am going to get from A to B. Mm. I don't give a fuck what I do, but I'm going to get there. And with that initial choice, that's an energetic contract you now sign with the universe. When you fully decide, right? It's like you hear people say all the time, like, I am ready for a relationship. And they've been in shit relationships the last 10 years of their life. They're like, you know what? I'm ready for the great relationship. I'm not going to expect, I'm not going to accept anything less than that. And the love of their life walks into their life and they become the happiest that they've ever been because they decided. And that decision is final. Mm. And so I'm getting a little long-winded here. So let me wrap this, bring this home. It was a decision. And when it became empowering, it took time. Because at first it wasn't very empowering. I was stuck in these thought patterns and belief patterns that kept showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up as they do until we actually change something about how we're showing up. Or it's not even a a matter of changing our lives. It's changing how we relate to our lives, Mm. how we relate to the things that have happened to us or happened for us. It's all a matter of shifting your relationship shifting the story and that's when it became empowering when I recognize my inner child still pops up she still pops off my ego still pops off I still get jealous I still get angry Um, I'm in a really interesting place right now with a lot of fear in my life Mm. uh, with a particular person that you know our relationship is shifting and instead of now looking at it as a nuisance and I hate this part about myself I chose to embrace Mm. these parts of myself it's a choice and it's not always an easy choice, but it's a choice. I was about to say, it never, it rarely is ever an easy, easy choice, but it's usually those choices that make the most growth and long-term change. What, I, what I'm hearing a lot in what you just said and just taking it all in and processing, it's like we all, we all can be victim to something mm-hmm. like that's just the nature of this world. We could be walking down the street, something happens to us, an event, whatever it may be, 
There's no changing that, but we do have that choice to whether or not we live in victimhood from that event for the rest of eternity. When I hear a lot in your coaching and having been able to sit in workshops that you've led, talks that you have led, and just hearing more in depth your story now, it's like you made this conscious choice, which often I want to point out is not easy for the fact that you just highlighted because right after you make that choice, the universe tests you because now you have this like heightened awareness Mm -hmm. and then you're met with, oh shit, the stuff around me is like, I'm starting to notice more and more. This is hard. This is a lot harder than I thought. Um, How did you start to navigate that newfound awareness and then truly step into this beingness of now I'm going to own this and like, I'm going to actually, I'm sticking to this because it's very easy to have this new awareness. You're met with some resistance. Some of us starting the business, right? You're Turn met the with lights that. back out. And you're like, ah, I'm going to go back. I'm, Amazon, you there? Yeah. Like you, it's Danielle. I want to, I want to take home. back that yeah. offer. Um, <laughs> university there. I'm going to take back that, uh, that newfound awareness. Like if you could just keep that to yourself, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. I'm better off with the blinders on. How did you continue to stick with this hard choice well it it goes back similarly to what we were talking about you know when I decided when my brother passed away that I was going to live my mission bigger harder than I ever had before Mm. not just for me but for him and for everybody in the world who needs and deserves this type of empowerment freedom is our birthright and we can't experience that level of freedom that is our birthright without ownership Mm. we can't I've tried you can't you can't do it and I think, and I know a big part of this was I was living under this impression. I think a lot of people live under this impression. They think when they start doing the work, it's done. That things are going to get easier. That it's like, well, yeah, I've been doing the work. So, like, no bad thing is going to happen to me. Well, guess what? I was doing the work, and my brother passed away at 30 years old. You don't escape humanness. Mickey Singer, who wrote The Untethered Soul, Mm. he says this all the time it's a happening world. It's always been a happening world. I remember, so I was very lucky, and he, Mickey Singer actually played a big role in my spiritual growth because he lived in Gainesville. He lives Mm. in Gainesville, Florida, where I went to school. And, you know, there's people who, all over the world, who's read this man's book, who would dream of listening to him speak in person, and it was right in my backyard. And I remember the first time I ever went to go hear him speak, I walked out of there like, that dude is batshit crazy. What the fuck do you mean I can hear my own thoughts? Mm. You're just taking too many mushrooms in Gainesville. like. Um, but what I realized was I was living under this story of things are going to get easier the more I do the work, and I didn't understand the hyper-awareness. I didn't understand that the universe was going to continue to, I stopped saying test me. The, the universe was going to continue to expand my capacity mm. to live in more love. Mm. That was it. I live in so much love regardless of the crazy shit that has happened to me. The universe isn't testing me. It's elevating me. It's allowing me to become the conscious, free being that we are meant to become mm. we just got real woo-woo i know i love it and i think my head goes to this space of god universe whatever you want creator whatever you want to believe in in a higher power um i believe that there is a higher power that exists out there right um and they're just playing this i don't even say playing this game but 
they've it's just a matter of fact it's, it's proof they've never given you a test that you haven't passed to get to this point yeah. if you're here right now you've passed every single test so i love that shift in the add-on that you brought there of it's really just giving you a chance to expand your capacity capacity for love that's a that's a beautiful place to live in and it's hard trust me it was hard when zachary passed away that was not the choice i wanted to make mm. at all i was so angry with god the universe whoever what was the choice that you wanted to make fear fear mm. anger blame i wanted to blame my parents i wanted to blame his friends i wanted to blame him i just wanted to bl- i wanted to blame myself mm. for not doing more for not saying more um and what I couldn't think of, and it took time, but I couldn't think of a bigger dishonor to his life than to choose blame and anger and resentment over love. Mm. The greatest honor I can give him is to grieve and love harder than I've ever before because somebody shared this with me when he passed away, that grief is simply love unexpressed. Mm. all the things that I never got to say to him, to do with him, to, to, yeah, to, to be with him. Uh, that's why I grieve so hard. And I know so many people talk about this when a loved one passes away, man, I wish I would have said those things. I did it. And when we have not lost somebody, we hear them, but we, it, it's, a, we don't hear them. <laughs> mm. We hear them, but we don't. And if y'all you're listening to this, it could not be closer to the truth. Say what you want to say to the people that you love. Do the things that you want to do. Do not get caught up in the bullshit materialism of it all because it does not matter. Mm-hmm. The harsh reality is he, the nice Audi that he drive, he drove no longer is his Audi. The townhome that he bought and lived in is gone. All of those things are gone. The only thing that is left is the essence of who he was and how he impacted. And remembering that, um, and it's a choice I have to make every day. I don't always want to wake up and choose love. Yeah. I mean, it's not an easy choice to be making. No, but it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I admire, I admire that you make that choice and it's a, a conscious choice. Yeah. There's something, sorry, really quickly. I just want to add there, there's something else that you, I want to make sure that's very clear here. It's not a one-time choice. And I know I'm Mm -hmm. alluding to it. I say I choose it every day. When you choose to own your shit, when you choose to take responsibility over your life, it's not one and done. We want it to be. We want it to be. (laughs) But like you said, the universe is constantly providing opportunities for us to continue choosing. And it is so easy to slip up and not choose. Mm. And you'll know it. You'll feel it. But the choice is in, I wake up every day with the same choice. Every time I walk into a challenging situation, I have that choice. And I have to, I've, I've conditioned myself, much like we condition ourselves to act one way or another way. I've conditioned myself to ask the question, am I choosing love? Am I choosing love? Am I choosing love? And if the answer is no, okay, do I need space? Do Mm. I need to reframe? Do I need to have a conversation? What is it that I need to choose love? Because our world deserves more love. I deserve more love. My brother deserves more love. It's a powerful, powerful way to think about it. And I just, 
I admire the way that you continually choose this. We had a conversation a few weeks ago about how you were going to, I believe it was leading a workout. Maybe it was at on it at the time. Um, and grief kind of hit you that morning and you were a little bit lower energy than you would like to be mm-hmm. going into this space where you are expected to be on mm-hmm. because now you have this reputation, not just in Austin, but around the world because of opportunities that where life has taken you and your career that you are expected to be this energy mm. around you. So I, I just want to take it a second to admire and just acknowledge that you are making those choices even when it isn't easy and you still show up. I think you have this, this beautiful energy about you, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast in the first place. And I think why I've just been drawn to connect with you over the years here is that regardless of how you feel, you still bring this energy about you. So I just want to acknowledge you for a second there. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't even know where I'm going with that, to be honest. I mean, you can um, just keep gassing me. Yeah, I'm just going to keep adding fuel to <laughs> the fire here. Now, you brought up something earlier, too, of this fact of even despite doing the work, the inner child in you still comes up. Mm-hmm. The ego in you still comes up. And I think that's really important to highlight because, yeah, we think we just do this. And maybe we can get clear on what the work is. First and foremost, how you define it. I'm curious. And then how do you navigate now, knowing what you know, doing the work that you do, showing up the way that you do, those moments where the ego comes up? Because I think oftentimes people embark on the work because they're told that they got to embrace full ego death for like fulfillment in life to happen. And you're smiling because I'm like, <laughs> I think we both know <laughs> that's death. not true. No, it's, yeah. it's a great song by Kanye West, you know, like yeah. it, it pops. But like curious for you, what is the work and how are you, mm-hmm. quote unquote, doing it in these moments where maybe parts of you come up that you're like, all right, let's embrace this. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great question. The work to me is the daily commitment to self-connection, unconditional love, and full radical self-expression. Did you just get that download? I love love that you closed your eyes and took the intention there. I I mean, that's, you know, because that, that is thrown around so much and it's like, is it the, is the work meditating? But no, deeper than that, the work, for me, obviously, it's mm-hmm. my definition, but the work is that commitment. It's a commitment. Any work is it you're making a commitment. And to me, it's that commitment to the deepest self-connection and unconditional love. And like I said, radical self-expression and every moment of every day, that's also a choice for me to do that as simple as simply as when you ask me the question, how are you doing? I answer truthfully. Mm. That is the most simple way you can start to build a deeper connection to yourself and deeper self-trust. Trusting that I know what I'm feeling. And it took time to build that self-trust, right? You don't build your deadlift to 500 in a week, right? You could try um, from personal experience. That doesn't doesn't work out very well. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, 
so that would be my definition. Um, and how these parts of me, I love talking about parts work. There's an activity that I do in my Own Your Shit Self Mastery program that I love because it was the most impactful uh, activity and exercise that was ever introduced to me on my own journey. It's called Who's Sitting at the Dinner Table? And the way I approach this is there's five seats. There's the ego, the inner critic, the inner child, the shadow, and the heart. Mm. And I'm sure there's other people living in there too, but these are these are who I categorize. And I take this very literally. These are parts of me that have names, that have personalities, that have ages. And just like they were in my family and would deserve a seat at the table and mm. a time to let their voice be heard and the opportunity to be seen, I treat them the same way. And it didn't happen at once. That's for damn sure. I remember first hearing about the exercise and not really being able to discern between the ego and the inner child or the inner critic mm. and the shadow. Um, but just a brief overview if you've never, if you're not super familiar with this, but the inner critic is, you know, the asshole, right? <laughs> kind of like the inner asshole sometimes like you're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You have no idea what the fuck you're doing, right? Some of those, at least some of the things that they, she says to me, her name's Gertrude. <laughs> love Gertrude. <laughs> love Gertrude. Yeah. Um, and I do, I really do love her. We've built a really, we have a very comical relationship when she shows up. I let her talk. I let her have her moments and um, I ask her what it is that she needs and where the belief is coming from. And so you literally start to build a, a dialogue and a relationship, just how you and I are sitting on this couch right now. If my inner critic was sitting in front of me, what is it that you need to say, Gertrude? Tell me. Mm. Because the worst thing we can do is ignore and suppress and pretend that it's not there. It's there for a reason. Some need is not being met. And it is my opportunity to meet that need for myself or ask the people around me for support if I can't meet that need myself. I was literally, you saw me, I was on the phone when I was walking in here. One of my best friends, you know, having an inner, inner child pop off. So the inner child is the seat of self-expression. Um, it's also the seat of our deepest wounds, triggers, and limiting beliefs and fears and needs that were not met. And we were having this conversation and her inner crit or I'm sorry, her inner child is really activated right now. I like to use the word activation versus triggered, but super activated. Mm. And what I do with that for when my inner child is activated, I'll give y'all a very specific example um, of the inner child being activated. I have somebody in my life who I love very much. Our relationship is shifting a lot. Uh, we were dating for a long time. We're no longer dating. We both have other partners, but there's a lot of fear in that. Mm. A lot of fear that's come up for me, uh, fear of abandonment, fear of being left alone. And the last thing I'll do to my inner child is shove her in her room to throw the temper tantrum by herself. That happened to me my whole life. How many other people are listening to this? You were shoved in your room to have the temper tantrum by yourself. You're a child. You don't know how to express. I am feeling like I'm going to be abandoned. We don't have the language for that. We just mm. we're scared. And in order to reparent myself, which is what we're talking about here, the biggest gift I can give myself is to listen to her. I literally told my friend on the phone, I said, where are you? She's like, at home. I said, okay, get up, stomp, go around your apartment and stomp your feet, cry. And so she did. She stomped, she cried, she breathed. I said, how do you feel? She's like, a little better. You know, it doesn't fix everything, mm -hmm. but it gives that us that opportunity to hear that part of ourselves, to see that part of ourselves. And when a part of me is present, 
one thing, and I still struggle with this, but one thing that I try to do every time is not reject it. Mm. Fuck, here she is again. Like, leave me alone. Go away. Unconditional self-love. I love every part of myself, even the nasty parts, even the parts that are sometimes a huge pain in the ass that show up when I really don't want them to. Mm-hmm. I don't have a choice all the time. They're there, and the best thing I can do is honor them, breathe through them, give them the space to be, and ask myself what I need because it always comes back to that. Some need is not being met. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I want to challenge the people listening in to start identifying who's sitting at their table. And, and how can they open up that dialogue? And I think you just gave, even myself included, like a lot of reflection to yeah. be able to go do. Yeah. I think that's a beautifully, beautifully put way of making sure we're not suppressing. Because, you know, once once we go down that rabbit hole, what we ever resist, it just seems to persist and grow louder and louder. Louder and You louder. know what I mean? Like that child yeah. will come out of that, that room at some point. should. Uh, <laughs> or we'll learn or we'll be conditioned to believe to that suppress. their feelings yeah. are not valid and that they're bad if they throw a temper tantrum or they're wrong for expressing their needs and desires. It It's so intricate. And something that really helped me is the last thing I'll share about this. Um, but something that really helped me was really personifying mm. the different parts of me. Gertrude is my inner critic. Lil D is my uh, inner child. Um what did I end up calling my ego? I don't remember. But they all have not names. A, not and a, s- a strong relationship there, it sounds like. Oh, you know, her no, and no. I have a very strong relationship. <laughs> um, I think it's just Gert. But the the more I personified and, and gave them a, a face and a name and an age and a tone mm. of voice and – um, maybe it's a boy, you know, maybe my, my inner critics, a, a little boy, it just doesn't matter. It's just, what is it to you? So that when it comes up, I can actually talk to them. Mm. I can say, Hey, little D what's up? How you doing? Yeah. I think that gets, it helps get you out of your head and actually into action. I love that you brought up with your, your friend, um, Sarah, you know, shout out to Sarah love that you, you're, Sarah. you're talking to beforehand, <laughs> but I love that you you challenge her to put some energy in motion and start actually changing her state because I think there's one thing to and there's a time and place right to sit in your shit and then there's that other time where it's like no we got to like put this into motion we have to actually change our state whether it be changing our body language changing our actions and eventually changing our language that's what I love how you've brought this all full circle You've included the self-mastery now into what you're doing. You've included the the own your shit into ownership, uh, coaching, and everything. And it all kind of crowning jewel, you host and build community better than pretty much anyone I've ever seen do it. Wow. And it's really cool <laughs> because I think that the crown, the reason I say it's this crowning jewel is experience is like being able to throw people through an actual experience is what then invites them into creating a change in their life. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to coach it. Mm. But I think the final evolution of it is create an experience, put them through it, and actually show them what is possible in that process. Mm. So talk to me there before we wrap things up. Like, how's it been going curating experiences it's not uh, not even new for you you've been doing it for a while but now full-blown retreats 
in Costa Rica. You just did one in, here in Austin. What's that like from a, a curator standpoint mm. that you're doing? Great question. And before I answer the question, I also want to say thank you for that reflection. That means a lot uh, coming from a fellow community builder who I very much admire. Thank you. Of course. Um, man, uh, curating community and building community is such a trip. Mm. It's such a trip. Uh, it's such a mirror for what's happening in my own internal world. It's been a beautiful experience, and I, I think it's different based on the community that I'm building. Mm -hmm. So, like, Warrior Women ATX is a totally different beast than leading a retreat in Costa Rica. You know, my intention with everything that I do is to leave people better than I found them and for them to see themselves the way I see them. Mm. One of my favorite quotes from Stephen Covey on, de on leadership is leadership is communicating somebody's potential so clearly that they are inspired to see it in themselves. It's mm. powerful. Quote. So powerful. I love that. So powerful. And, and the reason why that is such a driver for me is because I don't think that I would be where I know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the people who communicated my potential mm. so clearly to me that I was so inspired to see it in myself. My brother was one of those people. He always, always told me how awesome I was and like how much he saw the way that I was changing the world and was going to continue to change the world. And if I could give anybody a gift, it would be to not just hear me say you have so much potential, but to feel it, mm. to do something like you said, to curate an experience where they actually feel the shift and the step into that potential. Even if it's a toe in the water, mm -hmm. that's all you need. That's it. You need a taste of the <laughs> whatever the fuck the taste of the mojo because as soon as you taste it as soon as you know that it's possible you're hooked mm. and you even though the noise of the world and 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 society and you might lose your way a couple times and not remember how you got there you know that it's possible you know that it's possible and if i can give you a small taste of that mojo i've been watching way too much austin powers on netflix it's it's the greatest gift in the world because that is ecstasy. Mm. That is bliss and that is freedom. And everybody deserves to experience that. I wish there was something I could give so everyone could experience it all the time, including myself. I don't experience yeah. it all the time. I, I, I don't think that's the point of the human experience. I don't think we can, we, it loses. I wouldn't even say it loses its magic. It just does. It's not possible. We need, we need all of those other moments to appreciate the, the high, like your ability to grieve directly correlates to your ability to, to exude unconditional love. Yep. You, we need to exist on both ends of the spectrum. A hundred percent. So I, I, I love that. Yeah. I, I love that piece of just starting to believe. I mean, I, I say that about the best reflecting back on my athletic career, my best coaches, my favorite coaches were the ones that really believed in me before I were, was able to believe in myself. I'll never forget my coach in middle school, this guy Chris. My dad even, who we talked earlier, has been coaching for 40-plus years. I remember he had a conversation with Chris and was like, Chris, like, what's going on? Like, what's going on with Corey? Like, is, when is this going to click? Because he's working his butt off and just nothing is, is happening here. 
Chris was like, just trust me. It will, it will work eventually. And sure enough, like a few weeks later, I popped off at my first big meet and burst onto the scene, so to speak. And my dad was like, I was worried. Like I had doubts. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I just trusted Chris. Like Chris had a, a belief in me that I didn't have even in myself, but just kept showing up and trusting that it was going to pay off at some point. And it did. And I think you do that very, very well. I, I want to know, uh, well, before we say like where people can find you and experiences that you're running, I want to ask you the fast five. We'll, we'll lighten things up here, fast man. We've five. just been freaking deep. Uh, one question after another. So they're one sentence, one word answers. Okay. A little rapid fire. Okay. I'm nervous. Number one, what's your go-to podcast? Um, Africa Brooks. Oh my God. What's the name of the fucking podcast? I don't remember the name, but it's Africa Brooks' podcast. It's so good. Oh shit. It'll come to me, but she only has one podcast, so you could look her up. Perfect. I just can't remember the Perfect. name right now. Just Search her name on Spotify or wherever else and go check it out. (laughs) Put in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, what is your go-to book that you've read in the past year? I've said this. I've recommended this to a lot of people. The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Mm. Fucking fantastic book. Get it. Read it. Study it. It's phenomenal. The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Mm. Absolutely phenomenal. Number three, what is a quote that you live by? Uh, Where your fear is, your task is. Mm. Oh, I had that ready to go. Good flashlight there to, oh, to follow. Ready. I like it. Number four, what's something you can't live without? Wow, there's so many things. Uh, one thing I can't live without is uh, bare feet and wiggling. That was two things. Sorry. Barefoot wiggling. Barefoot wiggling. Yeah, there we go. Boom. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> um, number five, if you could sum it up right now, what is your focus in just one word? This is going to be so corny. Ownership. Well, it's not corny. It's your brand. It's, own it's it. Ownership. Hey, I'm going to challenge you to own, own your <laughs> shit, okay? I Go own that my focus is ownership. I love it. It's a beautiful intention to have because it's one that truly never stops, as we discussed here. Never. Danielle, again, I just I want to acknowledge you. This has been a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed having it, being able to sit down and actually record a conversation because we've had plenty of powerful ones just you and I. So I'm glad now the world gets to listen in. Where can they find more of you, whether it be things that you're hosting here around Austin, online, all the things. Cool. Yeah, this was so great. Thank you so much. So um, you're like, December is when this is going to be released. So I'm just trying to think where my brain's going to be then. Um, so Instagram is a great way to just follow me and uh, wiggle with me. I wiggle all the time. Danielle Gertner, um, connect with me, send me a DM. Would love to know what you thought about the podcast. DanielleGertner.com is a great place to see all of my offerings, to join my email list. Um, I got workouts on there, programs. If you uh, are a female, most of my programs are for right now geared towards women. Uh, Own Your Shit Self Mastery program launches in March. I only do it once a year. Five-month program with a retreat included in Costa Rica. Um, And I don't know what other fun shit I'll be up to at at this point, but definitely connect with me on the gram. Would love to be friends with you. So you're like, you're telling me this is going to come out two months from now. I have no idea where I'm going to be two minutes from now. I love it. Danielle, thank you again. Thank you. Appreciate you tuning in today. Remember to share this episode with someone you care about because together we go far. And until next week, flow on my friends.